look, man was created in the image of God. Adam and Eve in the garden bore that image of God. And yet in the fall, the image is lost. It's Christ then who is the perfect image uh, of the Father. So that in Jesus, the perfect God and perfect man, uh, you have the image of God. And Jesus then perfectly renders himself unto God uh, for us in our place. So that his humanity is a pleasing sacrifice to him which wins the forgiveness of all of our sins. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and His promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. How are you today? Fine, Evan. How are you? Well, I have a score to settle with you, my friend. Oh, yeah? A couple of shows ago, uh, you, you made some sort of a crack about the, the, the points on Table Talk Radio are like uh, my dating tips. They're totally worthless. Yes. Well, I am going to beg to differ and uh, demonstrate that that is not true right here and right now. <laughs> oh, this is. <laughs> I'm ready. And so, but, but see, th- this is the thing. When, when you when you approach someone of the opposite sex, you kind you kind of got to be seeker sensitive. So you got you have church growth dating tips. Yes, is that what yes. This is? And yet you got to <laughs> meet them where they are. And so I have some pickup lines, uh, especially for evangelical Christians. Uh, the <laughs> Are you ready for these? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> what are your plans tonight? Feel like a Bible study? <laughs> is it a sin that you stole my heart? <laughs> no, man, that is really bad. <laughs> Do you believe in divine appointment? Oh, go, you're going for the Calvinist angle. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Or They're hanging around outside the Presbyterian <laughs> Church. Um, and, oh, and then, uh, last but not least, uh, have you ever tried praying at the drive-in movie before? <laughs> there, well, there, there you go. See, my dating tips yeah, aren't okay. worthless. Uh, yeah, yeah. Apparently, sorry. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll stand. I'll repent. The, the points on Table Talk Radio are not like Evan Gagline's uh, uh, dating tips. Um, they actually might have some uh, <laughs> compared to They're, that. The, the points are better than my dating tips. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, well. I'm glad to see you're hard at work there at the seminary. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what I realized this morning as we were getting ready for the show, Evan, is that um, uh, today, if the math is right, today is election day. For those of you listening on Pirate Christian Radio, we record a couple weeks ahead of time, but uh, but it's aired uh, a couple weeks later, and so I think the air date is November the 4th or the Tuesday of election day. Uh, so we should make a, a quick comment about that before we get to the body of the show. And I think simply to this, as Christians go to the voting booth to serve their neighbor there, uh, and, and I just have a simple thing about voting, is that if, if there's a politician or someone up for election that thinks that it should be a legal thing, that it's at all a human thing to, to murder or to kill a baby in the womb, that insan- insane understanding of life and of the law uh, just in and of itself disqualifies someone for... 
for being a ruler in this world. And I might point out, too, that, uh, in fact, your math uh, is only partially right. Because uh, it's true for our listeners on piratechristianradio.com that it is probably Election Day as you listen to this. But there are other radio affiliates who are listening to this near Election Day. And uh, they may not be listening to this on the day itself. Very good. Well, so, for those who are going to be getting ready to go to the polls, we want all Christians to keep that thing in mind. Right. It's just a good thing we're not playing for points yet. <laughs> right. Well, I guess we should get started. Uh, today on Table Talk Radio, we're, we're starting out playing Bible Beep. And then uh, after that, we're going head-to-head. I think it's the first time. Is this the first time we've done that? First time ever, head-to-head Bible Beep, Evan. That's right. Okay. And then uh, after that, we are playing a new game. Um, help a seminarian with his homework. So we're going to have to find, flag down a seminarian for that. Uh, if, if we if we can't find one, I'll volunteer. Yeah, good. <laughs> and then uh, uh, lastly, we were playing another new game. Uh, did we decide what we're going to call this game, Pastor Wolfmiller? No, we need listener help for this game. Uh, pages for points is what we thought, but that sounds kind of boring. But kinda lame, it's another. Yeah. I think the game will be great. One of the reasons is because it requires no show prep. <laughs> I don't know. I had to pull books off of my shelf. Oh. That was show prep. <laughs> we'll, we'll explain how that goes as we get there. So we're up on Bible B, uh, and round one is we have three verses from a particular book of the Bible, and uh, and we have to guess where it comes from. So. Uh, I, I'm Evan going to give this to you. I'll read the verses, and you try to tell me what book they're from, all right? Okay. Now, usually I make these extremely hard for you, but I had mercy today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, mine aren't too tough. I've got medium size verses here, uh, medium difficulty. So gather around the kids. Here's, here's round one of Bible B, first verse. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Uh, through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This sounds familiar, and it sounds a little bit like the Psalms. That's right. Seminary and gig line, 100 (laughs) points. And more specifically, uh, like uh, Psalm 119, is that correct? Hey, hey, I'm going to give you a bonus 100 points for the chapter. I think I should get a bonus 119 points. Oh, okay. Okay. But uh, well, I, I'll give you the bonus if you could pick the verse. Oh, ooh. Uh, <laughs> is that is well, 119 it is good The first couple of verses? No. Okay. Well, I guess. But no. This uh, is, does happen to be the longest chapter in the whole Bible uh, with the most verses to choose from. That's true. That's true. So thank you for. <laughs> um, but anyway, Luther had had this these great insights on on this psalm, uh, the uh, Oratio Meditatio Tentatio. And uh, basically, uh, you know, sometimes w- when we uh, when we read the scriptures, we're we're always, in a sense, lord over the scriptures, trying to say what they mean and, and, and interpret them for ourselves. But yet, we we sometimes fail to just sit under the scriptures and let them interpret us. Yeah, three things he gets it from the psalm. Three things make a, uh, a theologian. He says these three things: oratio, meditatio, and tentatio. The oratio part is prayer, so that we that we pray the scriptures back to God. And then you're right, the meditatio, we meditate on the scriptures, and the tentatio is we suffer for being Christians. So no, that's that's very good. And this is one of the three what we call Torah psalms. That means psalms about the word of God, and they're easy to remember them. Uh, the other ones are Psalm 1 and Psalm 19. 
So the three psalms that deal with the scriptures are 119 and 119. And in every single verse of this monstrous psalm, uh, the word of God is mentioned, except for, I believe, in three in three verses. And so it, it shows how our life and, and our salvation and the promise of the forgiveness of sins all comes from the clarity of the Lord's word. It, it, it's a lamp to our feet. It brings light uh, into the darkness of our own mind, of our own conscience, and of our dark world as well. So. Nice now, work. Now, in this psalm, it talks about loving the law. Now, we play this game law and our gospel. Is it is it possible to confused here? You know, if the law shows us our sin and our condemnation, uh, and, and then uh, how is it that we can say we love the law? Well, there, there's two ways that we can speak that way. The first way is this. When the scriptures use law, they use it in two different ways. So you have law in the broad sense. Torah is the Hebrew, which simply means instruction. So we can talk about the law of God, which could simply mean the first five books of the Bible. Uh, but then there's even a way that we love the law of the Lord's uh, instructions, which condemn us. We don't love that it condemns us. But when the when the new man, when the baptized Christian... Uh, when the spirit of St. Paul calls it in us uh, is, is living by the word of the promise, then it delights in keeping the law it, because the law has no more condemnation for those who are in Christ, for our, for our spirit. So, so, the, so the law comes to the Christian because we're still in the flesh. It kills us. But insofar as we are baptized, the law is our supreme delight to, to learn, to study, and to begin to keep uh, that'll be one of the delights of heaven is that the the um, the the obstacle of the sinful flesh will be gone and we will forever without question keep the lord's law and worship him alone and serve our neighbor in perfect uh in perfect uh in perfect love that's good all right we got if you go quick you can give me three verses i might have to answer on the other side so let's have a second part of round one for bible be for me Okay. Here it goes. Show me, show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a, denar- a denarius. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. All right. You listeners, uh, take write down your guess on this one, round one of Bible B, and we'll be right back after the break to guess the, to guess the book. That's right, and if you have some extra time, visit our website, tabletalkradio.org. There you can find some articles that Pastor Wolfmuller has written, uh, some past shows, our podcast, uh, table scraps where you can listen to uh, additional interviews that we've done, and also our forum where you can get involved with other Table Talk Radio listeners and discuss our show. tabletalkradio.org, stay tuned. Table Talk Radio will be right back just after this break. Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. When I can't sleep, I listen to Table Talk Radio. Martin Luther says that the most common idol in all of the world is the idol of money, that we trust in it, that we fear losing it, that we think that because we have it, we're secure. Here at Table Talk Radio, we have the solution for this idolatry. Click the Donate Now button on our website, and you will support the ongoing efforts of Table Talk Radio to spread this word of God uh, throughout the world.
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio in the middle of ga- pl- playing the game. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Look, <laughs> welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Good thing we're professionals here. You're professional radio host. In the middle Evan of the radio <laughs> clown gag line. Did I tell you I was watching bull riding the other day and I said this is like a metaphor for our radio show. There's this theological bull right in the middle, <laughs> and there's this tough, uh, tough-looking cowboy who's risking his life strapped to the top of the bull, and then there's this goofy uh, rodeo clown running around just getting gored. And that's kind of a picture of our radio show. <laughs> Evan the Radio Clown Seminarian. If you need some more dating tips, email me, Evan at tabletalkradio.org. Oh, don't flood his inbox, though. <laughs> hey, we're, we're playing Bible V, and I just read uh, the, the following passage. Show me the coin used for the poll tax, and they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God, the things that are God's. This is certainly a gospel text. I don't know if it's in multiple gospels or just one. I know for certain, though, that it's in Matthew, uh, the gospel of, uh, of Matthew. And it's, uh, let's see here, maybe it's right around, um, is it chapter 18, Matthew 18? Um, well, you're right that it does appear in multiple gospels. Um, are you sure you don't want to guess Mark? It could be in Mark. <laughs> Matthew. I'm guessing Matthew. Okay, it is Matthew. It is not chapter 18. Um, it, this is chapter 22. Oh, I, okay, I should know so that. I have a specific question for you about this text. Yes. Okay, because um, I've actually been working on a, a lowly seminarian sermon on this text. So the question then, uh, when he says, render the things... I'm uh, glad to know that you've embraced your title as lowly seminary. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, finally. I don't dare to say uh, I'm uh, anywhere close Highly to where I need to be seminarian. Uh, homiletically. Now, you know, oh, right, right. In, in knowledge or stat, you know, that's another thing. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, uh, okay. So we're supposed to run into the things to God that are gods that bear the image and inscription of God. So the question then is, what are those things of God? I, you know, look, if I was preaching this to seminarians or to professors, I would, I would preach it a little bit differently because um, uh, you always got to keep in mind your audience. So, so here would be my, to preach to fellow seminarians' take on this, is that, look, man was created in the image of God. Adam and Eve in the garden bore that image of God. And yet in the fall, the image is lost. It's Christ, then, who is the perfect image uh, of the Father. So that in Jesus, the per- perfect God and perfect man, uh, you have the image of God, and Jesus then perfectly renders himself unto God uh, for us in our place, so that his humanity is a pleasing sacrifice to him, which wins the forgiveness of all of our sins. Uh, now, th- then beyond that, though, the things which belong to God are, for example, fear, love, and trust, which really is the image of God, per- that we perfectly fear, love, and trust in God. Uh, and so that divine worship, which is due God, chiefly the worship of faith, uh, are the things that are rendered to him, first by Jesus and then by his people. Uh, so I, that's how I would uh, come at this text. Uh, how does that strike you, uh, Radio Clown? I mean, uh, Evan. <laughs> Actually, that was the interpretation, interpretation I was taking. Um, so it makes me feel a little bit better that, that you said that. Um, but I didn't find a lot of commentaries that said that, so I was, I was nervous. I was like, oh. Yeah, this image of God stuff is tough. Uh, we have a, some nice work on the image of God, though, in our confessions, where they're going to say the image of God is the original righteousness. 
original holiness, that, that Adam and Eve feared, loved, and trusted in God, that they kept the first commandment, that that's the image of God. And so then, it's, then we, it comes to Jesus in that he is our uh, substitute. His righteousness, is both, it's who he is and what he does, and then that's what's imputed to us by faith. So oh, I think it's a wonderful well, way to take the text. And this is interesting, too, because um, I didn't read this part, but before that, they ask him, um, are we to, uh, to, to give the, the poll tax... Is it lawful to, to give it to Caesar? So they asked him, should we give it? And uh, in the Greek, it's didomi. Um, but, but Jesus doesn't say you should give it to Caesar. He, should, he says, render it to Caesar, apodidomi, which means more to, to pay back or to pay retribution or to pay what is owed. So the question then be, becomes, what is owed to God? What is the retribution that is owed to God? And, of course, it is the, the payment for sin. And so if we're rendering the things to, to God that are owed him, it's, it's death for sin. Right, and, and, the, and here's the marvelous uh, way that the text works out. Is you remember this text is on Holy Tuesday. It's the last day that Jesus is teaching publicly. Uh, then there's Holy Wednesday. We don't know what happens on that day. Then Monday, Thursday. Uh, so this is Jesus' last time, his last public confrontation with the teachers, the Pharisees, the scribes, and all of these guys. And they bring three challenges to him. What's the... Uh, the greatest commandment is one of them. Uh, what was the other one? Was it, was it a, the question of divorce? or um, oh, I can't remember. And then this one, they bring the Herodians, so those Jews who were on the side of the Roman government, and they bring the Pharisees, and they say, uh, should we pay taxes? They think they've got Jesus here. Uh, and, and he says, show me the coin, and gives them this marvelous answer and settles them. They thought if he said, don't give taxes to Caesar, well, there's good reason to arrest him and to crucify him. If he said... Uh, you should pay taxes, then he's proving that he's not the Messiah because the Messiah is supposed to set us free from all of this stuff. But Jesus, he just refuses to be trapped by these guys. And then right after this text, Jesus will stop all of the arguments with a question of his. He'll say, whose son is the Messiah? And they say, David's. And then he quotes Psalm 110, I believe. How can David say, uh, the Lord said to my Lord, sit here at my right hand? How can, how can the Messiah be both David's son and David's Lord? And they can't answer the question. But we know the answer to this, and it's part of this rendering unto God what is God's, is that Jesus, who is perfect God and perfect man, stands as our substitute on the cross under the wrath of God. It's, it's simply beautiful text there, uh, this last uh, dispute that Jesus has in, in the temple. Sure. And, and it is fascinating because they, they do end up handing him over. You know, they end up giving... Give, giving Jesus order to be crucified, you know, so they and essentially do what he said, uh, you know, to to render the things that are God to God. Yeah, that's that's right. So very good. And for and for this and for the, their own forgiveness. I mean, remember it, the the sins of the Pharisees in handing Jesus over to uh, God. Even even those sins, Jesus is dying for, which is really wonderful. Two hundred right, points round, for that one. Oh, hey, thanks. I got bonus points. All right. Uh, only because I agreed with you, huh? Okay, Great. here we are, round two. We better move quick. We're going to run out of time on this little show here. Uh, round two, one verse. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Oh, that would be... I almost said Matthew because I almost got this confused with the uh, the parable on the, the wedding feast where, you know, a, a man... Uh, is is robed uh, for the wedding, but actually he's he's not robed, and that's a problem. But uh, I think this is the text of the prodigal son, 
which appears in Luke, I think, chapter 15, which is also a text I'm using for homiletics next week. Oh, man. Hey, this is pretty good. This homiletics stuff is helping you with your Bible bee. And you are right. We, we can omit the game Help a Seminarian with His Homework because we're already playing it. Yeah, there you go. That's right. We'll have to do that. So you're right. Luke chapter 15. So for round two, you get 200 points. For guessing the chapter, you get 15 points. That's 215. Now talk about this text a little bit. How's your sermon going on this? I haven't started on it, but... <laughs> um, well, here, how about the... Here's something that I think a lot, not a lot of people see in this sort of thing. Because you, you look at the two sons, right? You've got two sons in the parable. Uh, and they're and you think, oh, they're so different. But really, when you look at them, both of the sons don't want to be sons of the father. They they consider themselves to be the father's slaves. Remember the the prodigal who goes away and wastes everything, and he comes back and he's rehearsing his repentance speech, and he says, uh, "Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants." And he comes back and he starts this speech to the father, and the father cuts him off and says, "No, you are you are my son. Kill the." Kill the fatted calf, get a robe, get rings, get shoes. My son, who was lost, has been found. And then the second son is just the same thing. He considers himself all this time to be a slave in the father's house. He says, Father, all these years I've worked and done exactly what you've said, and you didn't even give me a goat to make merry with my friends. He, He thought of himself as a slave too. But the point of the parable then is that the Lord does not want slaves. He wants sons. And this is true. I mean, this is what it means to be a Christian then, Evan, to be a son of God, to be to be forgiven, to be baptized into his family, to have his name and his kingdom and everything that belongs to him as our sure and certain inheritance. Uh, this is simply wonderful. So God wants sons, not slaves. Yes, uh, and also uh, one thing that I wanted to, to point about this text is, uh, and, and I have had the, uh, the privilege uh, in, in my undergrad in college, they always had these lectures coming, and all of the, the you know, students were, or well, at least the ones that are, involved in religious studies were required to go to all these lectures. And the entire time they only had two good ones. And one of them was Kenneth Bailey, who who spent a lot of time in uh, in the Middle East, and he, he wrote a book actually on, on this parable. And in it he talks about how uh, the, the long robes that was custom for them to wear at the time. And so when the text says that the father raced out to meet the son, um, to, in order to do that, and he didn't even have the capability of doing that, he would have had to bend over and, and pick up the long robes and hold them as he raced out, exposing his legs, which was very humiliating for, uh, for anyone to do at that time. So here we have the father humiliating himself uh, for the sake to, to, to meet his son. And so I, I think there is some uh, Christological um, tones there. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, there is no shame that Jesus did not know. I mean, especially as he hung on the cross naked, uh, dying for our sins. Hey, I think we're at another break. We've got to finish this uh, here on the other side and get this game over with so we can get to this new fancy, fa- newfangled game uh, as well. So <laughs> let's get this break over with, and we'll be right back. Saved by grace alone, through faith alone, as told by Scripture alone. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. 
Hey, here's another dating tip. Um, <laughs> oh or another God. another Christian pickup line. Um, oh. Hey, what? Did, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> what do you think Paul meant when he said greet each other with a holy kiss? <laughs> Imagine yourself in the evangelical church coffee house there, Evan. The lights are dim. There's some girl with a with a nice sweater and a huge uh Bible protecting carrying case. I thought you said this is a Christian program. Let's move on. <laughs> this is family oriented. <laughs> Okay. Oh, boy. So I have a verse for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is admittingly kind of hard. but So this is worth 400 if you get it. How, All right. Wait, wait. How many points did I get on the last one? Uh, 215, bringing you to a total of 434. <laughs> okay. Here's your verse. And on the vine were three branches, and as it was budding, its blossoms came out and its clusters produced ripe grapes. All right, a vine with three branches, clusters. This sounds to me like there's a mom, a, a prophet, uh, and there's all of these visions or, uh, that one of the minor prophets have that repeat themselves in the book of Revelation, uh, and I think this is one of them. So I think this comes from the prophet Zechariah. That is incorrect. Oh, <laughs> man. This is actually a dream of Pharaoh for Joseph's interpretation oh. of the book of Genesis. Oh. I should have known that the three vine, and then the three, and then the th- uh, the three cows, and then the more three cows, or something like this. And, right. Uh, and and this is, Joseph interprets it to, for the years of famine, and 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 gets to be the steward of the house. Oh, I should have known that. Then. <laughs> uh, you axed me out there. But you know, there's this marvelous verse in that uh, section where Joseph says uh, to his brothers when they're being reconciled, he says, "You intended it for evil." But God intended it for good, um, and this is a, just a simply verse, a simple, uh, simply lovely verse for Christians to cling to, knowing that uh, that God has all things for our own good, uh, even when even when we cannot see how that goes. All right, no points for me. Bringing my total to what two hundred? Yeah, just two. You a mere two hundred. You clearly smoked me on that one. Over double my points, four thirty-four. I had two hundred, but this it reminds me that the points are. Oh, I thought of something this morning. Oh, yeah. The points are like water uh, when a Pentecostal is ready to do a baptism. <laughs> you just don't. Doesn't even matter. That's a good one. Okay, hey, so this, this next game, uh, which or point, points for a page. This is a dumb name. We need someone to help us out. Go to our forum, tabletalkradio.org. Click on the forum, and then tell us what we should name this game. But this is how it works. Um, I've got a stack of books here uh, that I've picked. Um I've got some, some, let's see, Luther, some Walther, some Peeper, um, Athanasius, and Augustine. And uh, so you're gonna you're gonna pick one of these, right? And then give me a page number. I'm gonna read you what's on there, and you have to kind of guess what they're talking about. Yes, that's the way it works. So if you have a Bible commentary, you have to guess the verse that's being discussed. If you have a dogmatics book. You guess the loci or different topic topic of doctrine that you're guessing, this sort of thing. And I have two books for you. I have uh, Melanchthon's loci, and I have Mueller's dogmatics. Ooh, okay. Um, now, round one, it's, we pick pages uh, between zero and 100 for round one, and you get the the number of points for the page that you're on or something like that. So, Okay, so 
Oh, what was it? What's here? You pick. You picked the book. I can't remember how many books you had. Did you have a? I mean, I'd love to hear some Luther, but let's mix it up a bit. And why don't you give me? Um, let's try some Athanasius. Okay, Athanasius, and what what page are you you looking for here? Page eighty-eight. We need some page-turning music. Okay, are you ready? Here it is. Ready. Given in order that, just as all things were made by him, so in him all things might be renewed. For they were not delivered unto him, that being poor, he might be made rich. Nor did he receive all things that he might receive power, which before he lacked. So he is talking about a particular verse that you might be able to name here. Yeah, uh, the verse that's um, that he's... Uh, speaking of is this ver- this marvelous verse from Second Corinthians eight or something where it says that he uh, became poor that we might become rich. Uh, so that's what's in the background there. But he might be commenting on uh, a verse from the from the Gospels as well. Is this a biblical commentary or just an, a letters or something like this? It is a commentary. Okay, uh, Athanasius commentary. They all these almost all these guys are commenting on the Gospels. Um, so, and this sounds like uh, what you would find in a commentary on the Gospel of John. Uh, am I getting close? Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, this is actually over two different uh, pericopes. Well, I mean, it's the same pericope, but, but parallel uh, Gospels in the synoptics. Uh, Luke 10 and Matthew 21. I'll have to look at that. And what do the verses say? Can you... Oh. Find them in italics close by? No, but I can pull my Bible out. This is a great game you made up. <laughs> Riveting. I'm seeing, the, I'm seeing the downfalls already. <laughs> okay, uh, Luke, this this is tough, man. I, I got to give it to you. This is, this was not easy for you. Um, but, but Luke 10, and he's specifically talking about verse 22, which says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no oh, one knows yeah. the Son, who, uh, who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone whom the Son wills to reveal him. Yeah, that's really a wonderful text. It's, it's really the most, kind of, if, if we're allowed to speak this way, the most Johannine text in the synoptics. I mean, John's gospel has this kind of talk all over the place. But you see it there. Is it Luke 10, Matthew 22, or Matthew 10, Luke 22, something? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, and that's, uh, it's a beautiful text where it talks about how the, f- how the Son is, is, receives all things from the Father according to his humanity. And Athanasius is making the point that according to his divinity, Jesus needs nothing. He lacks nothing. But that in his humanity, he is now built to receive things as gifts from God which is really a simply wonderful thing because this is what it means to be a human being. It, it, is, it means to be on the receiving end of God's goodness and his gifts uh, of creation and of redemption and sanctification, all of them. Yeah, and the, the, yeah, that's Matthew, good stuff. the Matthew parallel is twenty one twenty seven too, just for those okay. who are wondering. Okay, so... I did not get 89 points. That's right. <clears throat> but I had fun not getting those points. It's not my All right, you're up. Read. You... Do you want okay. uh, Mueller or do you want Kimnitz? I'll do Mueller for page um, 63. All right, Mueller, page 63. I got it here. Um, it says this. 
if the dogmas and the creeds of the church are truly and absolutely scriptural, they are of great value also for preserving the inner connection of the various theological disciplines and securing their true theological character. Commonly we speak of theology as dogmatic, historic, exegetic, and practical. This division is both practical and useful. It assists, it assists the theological students in distinguishing one subject from the others and so prevents confusion as he takes up the study of sacred theology. Nevertheless, in the final analysis, the purpose of the various theological disciplines is the same. Each is to teach God's word together with its specific applications. Okay, this sounds like uh, him teaching on the the role of scripture in the church, or maybe even um, the relation to scripture and, and uh, the confessions. How am I doing? Am I am I, am I hitting anything? Yeah, close? yeah, you're pretty close. It's it's in the first chapter, which is nature and concept of theology, and this is under the specific heading the church and its dogma. So, oh, okay. what's the relationship of the scriptures and church tradition and teaching theology and all of this? So that's right. pretty close, Evan. Pretty close. Now, how is it? How do how do we answer that question? Because uh, we we have the Lutheran confessions. Um, uh, and how is it that, that, that we say those are in relationship to Scripture? I will answer that question on the other side of the break. Okay, so we'll be right back with more Table Talk Radio right after this break. Uh, but tune in again next week to Table Talk Radio. We'll be playing uh, some more games, Law and or Gospel, uh, the regular of Table Talk Radio. But we're also playing Witch, Century, and then finishing up with Contemporary or Traditional. So tune in again next week for Table Talk Radio to hear that lineup. But don't worry, there's another segment of this edition of Table Talk Radio. It can be heard right after this commercial break. Don't go away. Table Talk Radio right after this. Can evolution produce new species? Dr. Charles Jackson of Points of Origins Ministries. And one student stood up and said, uh, it's just a change in gene frequencies, Dr. Jackson. How can you object to that? And I said, I don't object to that. Uh, if that's all evolution is, then I believe in evolution. And I said to him, what if in three generations there's all red-headed humans, everybody but the redhead are eliminated from the population somehow? Uh, would you call that a change in the frequency of the red-headed gene? And he said, oh, yes. I said, well, since red-headed gene exists today, and that was no new gene with new information and new DNA coding for new traits, uh, then I believe in evolution if that's all it is. But you see, that same process can't get you from worms to bald eagles and people, and that's what evolution says. That was Dr. Charles Jackson of Points of Origins Ministry as interviewed on Table Scraps. To listen to the rest of this interview, visit tabletalkradio.org and click on Table Scraps. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're in the middle of playing this game points for page whatever if you have a creative name page, for this page game, points page points okay. point for pages well pages for points you you get to pick your next work here you have uh luther 
Um, we did. Augustine. We still had a question on the table, I think, Evan, about the role of the confessions in the Lutheran Church. Oh, that's right. I, uh-huh. That was such a long time ago, I forgot. <laughs> Those commercials were riveting. Break, <laughs> in the break, your computer crashed and I ate a banana. But now we're back. Uh, the, the, so the question is, how yeah, you guys say sola scriptura, Bible alone. What the heck is this Book of Concord doing here? Why do you have confessions? The answer is, we learn from the scriptures that that God always gives his church the gift of confessing his name, that is, saying back to him what is true, and and also at the same time refuting what is false. Remember Matthew 10, uh, whoever confesses my name uh, before men, I will confess him before my Father, or or Matthew 16, where where Peter makes a good confession that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God, and he says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So it is that the Lord always gives his church the privilege of confessing his truth. And that's simply what the creeds are and the confessions of the church and all of the uh, semi-official doctrinal statements of the church. It's confessing back to God that which he's already spoken to us in the scriptures. So they don't stand above the scriptures, but always below the scriptures uh, as, a, as, as the confession of the church about what is true. So. Very good. Uh, let's see. Am I supposed to give you points for that? No, you don't need points, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. That was, my, that was my question. Did I get points for that? You need to be giving me. You points. don't get points for for asking questions. What kind of show is this? No, but I got the. I got the. Uh, Alex Trevec gets six hundred <laughs> points for. <laughs> no, the, I, I got. The, oh, you the got the answer. Prompt. Yeah, yeah. I did. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, I what? gave you sixty three points for that. All right. Yeah. Don't cheat me of those sixty three <laughs> points. All right. Okay. We have right. Luther, Augustine, Walther, or Peeper. Uh, Peeper, let's go for Peeper page, Peeper page 170. That's a blank page. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Guess what, what title this blank page is under. (laughs) Okay. Here it is. Okay. What a glorious future is in store for our church if it provides the lamps of its good confession with the oil of the Spirit and without halting hurries to meet the coming Lord. All you beloved brethren across the sea, let us watch and pray in order that uh, order not to lose the heritage of this future. Under the pressure of the unscientific science, as Walther used to express it, the later, is it, uh, Delzikek? I probably pronounced that wrong, uh, forsook his own testimony of truth. But that does not deprive his earlier testimony of its truth, as little as the later Melanchthon's deviation from the right way made the truth originally confessed by him impotent. 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 Uh, without power. I, th- this, I thought you were going to read from Peeper's Dogmatics, but this doesn't sound like his dogmatic text. It sounds more like a letters or essays or something. Am is I it from the dogmatics? It is. Oh man! Well, <laughs> sheesh. I should. I, I. I then in in my mind the dogmatics lack the vigor that that writing had, but apparently it is not so. I I love Peeper's dogmatics. If it's page 170, it's got to be close to the front, and it's got to be then the que- the question of how we do theology. He's talking about the Lutheran theologians, and he's talking about how later errors um, do not. Uh, undo the truth of the previous teachings, uh, if I understood it correctly. Um, 
So it'd be a formal principal question, and I think it'd probably be a similar question as what we were talking about uh, with uh, Mueller. Would it be the role of um, uh, of dogma and the church? Yeah, I think you're right. It's the, it's under the, the the section nature and character of theology, but under the subsection um, theology and method. Yeah, that's a, everyone's obsessed with that nowadays. People probably has what probably about ten, fifteen pages or something on it. Uh, now you have books and volumes. It's kind of sickening. Everyone's interested more in the theological method than in the theological content. But if we get the content straight, which is the forgiveness of sins for Christ's sake, uh, then the method will shake out no problem. But I think when you get get these books on audio form, so I don't have to read them. <laughs> <laughs> you could well, you could record them. Just take your Table Talk Radio studio and turn it into the uh, Lutheran dogmatic audio book producing, <laughs> and the money will go straight to Table Talk Radio. Yeah, speaking of that, donate now. It's on our website. Don't worry, Evan put a button to donate on on three or four times on every page on there. It's amazing. Yeah, and I, I have uh, even more of those uh, donate now buttons on my page that has our our pickup lines for evangelicals. Oh. That's the <laughs> the most visited page on our website. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. So, uh, what was the other work that you had? I want to go with the the other one. Uh, Melanchthon. Wait, uh, no, no. Uh, Chemnitz, Losi. Uh, you said. I think you said Melanchthon the first time. Sorry, Chemnitz, Losi. Okay, well, there's Melanchthon in there, you know, because he's commenting on Melanchthon's Losi, uh, and then he's adding his own to it. So, depending on what page you pick, you could get Melanchthon. So you have 170 points on that last one. All so right. I will. I will also go for 170. Oh, matching points, point for point. <laughs> All right. Oh, look at this little section here. Now the... Oh, this is interesting. Now the lion is the king of all the beasts and the strongest of all the brutes. And of him, Psalm 104, verse 21 says, that they confess that by their own strength they cannot procure food, but by their roaring they are seeking it from God. For Aristotle writes that the lion looks over his prey from a very high hill... And then when he has caught sight of it, he gives a tremendous roar by which the terrified creatures stand still, stupefied with fright, so that they can be caught by the lion. But the Holy Spirit interprets this roar in a different way, namely, that the lion is seeking his food from God. Hmm. Whoa, that's really interesting. That is interesting. I'm at a loss for what what to say here for it. Uh, I don't know. Is it talking about... Uh, I don't know. I'm not it's sure. talking about... Pr- the providence of God. So it's in. It's after the discussion of creation here. I'm, I'm just looking to see myself. It's after the discussion of creation. Uh, it goes through all the days, and then it's discussing God's providence. So talking about how the Lord feeds the lions. Ah, and the lion's roar is a prayer. That's really interesting stuff right there. It is. Is that the first time you read it? Uh, <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, right. normally I, when I go, I'm reading through the Losi, I'm looking at, at Kimna's discussion of uh, of original sin or of justification or something like this. But he kind of he kind of goes in a catechetical order, goes through the creation first, the Ten Commandments come up next, and so this is included in there. And then right after this section is a long discussion of the angels. That's interesting. I, I just thought of a new game we could play called The Books I've Never mm-hmm. Read. And we could talk about all the <laughs> books that are in your library that you've never read. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, when you when you have a library for the stated purpose of creating the illusion of intelligence, then you, the majority <laughs> of them 
It's unnecessary to read. See. That, that's, that's why I've been building up my library. <laughs> <laughs> you should put a picture of it on our website. Hey, uh, you want to uh, – no, I want to pick one more. Uh, we have time for one more, I think. Yeah, real quick. So uh, how about some Luther to end it up uh, in the 200s? Let's, so let's say Luther to page uh, 202. Okay, here it goes. All right. Therefore, dear friends, you have no reason at all to desire revenge or to wish evil to your enemies. You ought to pity them from the bottom of your hearts for your revenge upon them, save that which will come to them in the end, is already too great. They have already been hurt enough, and they have brought you nothing but good, since their raging has given you God's consolation. They have done themselves an injury from which they will hardly, and many of them will never recover. Well, he's um he's given. It sounds like he's giving some pastoral advice. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a letter. <laughs> uh, and he's talking about how we don't want to revenge, but that the person who sinned against us has done enough damage already to themselves. And it reminds me of the text where it says, "Vengeance is mine." Uh, says the Lord, so that he takes vengeance from our hands and and put and and keeps it in his own, and Luther seems to be uh, piggybacking some advice uh, on top of that text there. So I, I think this, this is um, uh, some sort of a letter talking to someone about anger or friendship or revenge or something like that. True. Um, this is to the Christians at Miltonburg, uh, February fourteenth of fifteen twenty four. So you're right about the letter. Yeah, then that's is that from this letters of spiritual counsel. It's a nice little volume uh, where you see Luther acting as pastor, and of course we see. I mean, Luther knew how to be a pastor because Luther knew about justification. He knew about the forgiveness of sins, and this is what it's all about uh, as Christians rejoicing in the Lord's forgiveness, which we will have to leave you all to do until our next show. That's right. Thanks for tuning in to Table Talk Radio. And uh, call our listener response line, 866-851-5523, and give us your comments or questions about this show. Uh, See you next time on Table Talk Radio. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org. Or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio. Four ninety seven. To 572. Pastor Wolfmuller, the theological bull rider, comes out on top again. <laughs>